and welcome to Sunnydale Study Group, the podcast for returning Scoobies and Buffy newbies. I'm Omar. I'm Chris. And we are talking about episode nine of season four of Buffy, Something Blue. Mm-hmm. Let's head into the library. Cool. I just wanted to rush right into the library. I wanted to just get in here quick. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Wedding bells are a-ringing. That's very true. We got mm. a lot going on, uh, a lot to discuss, a lot to talk about. So That we why, do. Why would we stand outside and loiter? I'm, it's not in my plan. Yeah. No. Yeah. So uh, we are back here in the Sunnydale Library. Last week we were down in Los Angeles for a quite um, sad episode of angel oh yeah that was really tough yeah friends gone forever yeah yeah uh but now we're back up in sunnydale where friends are together in different ways right i would, I would call it that yeah, yeah yeah uh before we hop into the discussion of the episode in our cram session how's everything going with you things are good yeah yeah yeah, yeah. everything's exactly as planned <laughs> <laughs> how about you Omar? I don't know if I necessarily have a plan. I've, I've started um, previous study buddy, uh, uh, or, you know, study buddy for Infinity, but previous guest, Tara Jane, mm-hmm. got me really into bullet journaling. Oh, yes. You yeah. showed me your bullet journaling system. Yeah. It so seems now very I have, efficient. I've got uh, a few different journals now, and I, uh, I don't know, I feel like that's something that I can discuss. It's like the newest thing in my life. Uh, and so I've got one that's like a daily one, oh, and wow. I have like all these different ways to turn the bullets into different symbols. Like if I watch a movie, it becomes a little camera and stuff like that. That's cool. And then I've got one that's like tracking projects, so I've got like all the criterion numbers, and I'm crossing them off as I watch the movies on Filmstruck and stuff like that. That sounds so organized and enjoyable. Thank you. Yeah, it's pretty great. Well, yeah, yeah, getting getting organized. If you guys want any uh, like Willow-esque tracker planner plans that i've been going through i will be happy to throw together like a tutorial video and uh toss it on up on our twitter or something like that that's a great idea i would say my journals are more like like arkham asylum walls level journaling like the ones you pick up in the game uh just kind of like it just looks like people miscellaneously scribbled ha all over the walls okay (laughs) except it's not ha it's my handwriting and there's no system besides you start at the left and you go to the right. Ah, ah so you're going against the Arabic system. <laughs> and you're a lined guy, I see, in this journal you got right here. Uh, yes, lines. I'm a grid. I'm you're a grid grids. Man. Okay. I'm a grid man, yeah, okay. yeah. I appreciate that. You yeah. know what, maybe I could, just, I could afford to switch over to some grids. I'll show you some fun you can have with some grids. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. Fun with grids, another Omar fun tutorial. With, fun with grids would actually be a show I would love to It'd host. It'd be a great show. I'll think about it. I'll think mm. about it. As well, anyhow, perhaps you were busy bullet journaling, or maybe you were busy sitting in your bed crying, or mm-hmm, that maybe one. you were going blind slowly, or maybe you decided to, I don't know, get engaged to your sworn enemy. Who knows Who even what is? your week has been like? It's been crazy for everyone, but just in case any or all of those are happening to you, we have a cram session where Chris Ramonte is going to summarize the episode Something Blue in five easy blood-in-the-mug sentences. So, Chris, take it away. Willow is crushed and heartbroken over the departure of Oz and goes to his room to see that he's gotten his stuff sent away and it would be 
even it couldn't even be worse except that Buffy is now starting to boil up with a new romance and is going on her first official date, which is a picnic, with Riley. One. Spike is kidnapped and or held captured and held by ropes in a hot tub. I mean, in a bathtub, where they are trying to extract from him information about the mysterious commando guys. Except he is being so tight-lipped that they result that they resolve to have a truth spell cast on Spike in order to retrieve the information. And Willow goes off to get the materials, but in the process becomes so saddened by her despair that she doesn't do the spell at all. Too. Instead, Willow does a spell to cure her broken heart, but it accidentally goes awry and causes her will to be done. And by her will, it's mostly derisive sarcasm that then turns into magical result, which includes Giles going blind, Xander becoming a demon magnet, and strangely, most strangely of all, Buffy and Spike becoming engaged to be wed. Three. While danger circles the gang and the Slayer is somewhat out of commission due to her enamoring, enamored lifestyle with Spike, Buffy is heading to get some magical spell materials in order to stop what's going on and to give Giles his sight back and in the process is distracted by a beautiful wedding dress and she tells Riley that she's getting married to a guy named Spike but all the while Willow is taken by Dehoffrin, the lord of the vengeance demons who tells her that he wants to turn her into a vengeance demon or Willow declines Dehoffrin's offer and returns back to the normal world where she uses her magics to rather quickly erase what happened and everyone goes back to normal and eats cookies and Buffy lets Riley know she was just kidding. Five. There it is. That's the episode. episode. Yeah, way to go. That's the one. You did it. Woo! How do you Mm. feel about it? Good. It was was a few uh, misused words in the beginning. Oh, I didn't notice them. Great. Yeah. So, <laughs> got him that shifted me. quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this episode's hilarious. This is a great episode. Yeah. What a palate cleanser after such a sad angel episode. What a palate Ooh. cleanser after Oz leaving. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, hey, remember silly, funky comedy? Well, it's great. Yeah, Oz really just booked it. Like, he mm-hmm. was just like... Like no. Seth, yeah. Seth yeah. Green also similarly was like, "Hey guys, I gotta be into Jor." Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was he in at the time? Was that this was ninety nine? I want to say. So was that like Austin Powers days? It might. I feel like Austin Powers was maybe a little bit earlier, but I have a hard time because Office Space was ninety nine, unless I'm mistaken. Okay. Matrix, I believe, was ninety nine. I okay. believe Matrix is a nineties film in that way. Yes, it is. And the same with at Woodstock. It was a 60s event, but it was, like, right at the end of the 60s. Mm-hmm. Still definitively kind of, like, put a pin on the decade. Yeah. Do you yeah. feel like the first two years of a decade are still, like, the last decade? Not really. No? Yeah, I feel like whatever you're part of, you're in it. Okay. So, like, if something happens in, like, 1990, but even though it feels a little 80s-y, it's, like... That's, that's the 90s pulling a little bit of the 80s with them. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. All right. Shaking off the 80s. Sh- dusting off the 80s. Dust them off. <laughs> 
Yeah, this episode I like a lot. It's kind of inconsequential. It's pretty Monster of the Weeky. Yes, we're back to Monster of the Week. Yeah, it's kind of a se- it's like the season one episode of this season, even though it's. But it's the spell version. Which it's. Have we had many of the spell awry episodes? We had Bewitched, Bothered, Bewildered. Yes. We have. So this is one of those. Oops. Magic disrupted the status quo, and it's funny. I was going to ask you the same question, because aside from the witch, mm-hmm. right, where there's like some magic stuff going on. There is, but it's, that's almost more Monster of the Wiki, because even though it's magic going on, it's a direct adversary that they can attack. That's very true. Whereas Dahafrin is not really seen as a villain to defeat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. He's kind of just sort of this ominous, looming evil that isn't really that evil? No, he's just got a job to do. Yeah. You know? And he looks at it that way. Yeah. Like, someone had a... I don't know. I was going to have the weirdest comparison just now. Do it. I was just going to say, like, you wouldn't blame someone at a daycare center for keeping the kids inside. That's what that's what they're there for, to make sure that the kids are safe. True. Even if your motivation is for kids to be in danger for any reason. Right. In this case, would you blame a vengeance demon for making sure that vengeance is enacted? No, right? Because also, technically, even though the things that the vengeance demon cause are a little horrible. Yes. Evisceration, sometimes being turned into a troll. Yeah. Just... Pestilence and plague. Yeah. It's done by people who have hurt someone. Yes. It, yes. Yeah. It's... I would like to remind... Like, a vengeance demon? You want to name another one? Sure. I'll do it. Matt Murdock. There's another one. You want me to name another vengeance demon? Mm-hmm. Batman. Yeah. There's another one. Mm-hmm. I got tons. Psylocke, Elektra, to a certain extent, Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. The Bride. The Bride. That's a great example. Super duper vengeance Yeah. Demon. So, you know, the shadow. So, you know, maybe let's tap the brakes a little bit on everyone's, you know, hot takes on De Hoffren. Exactly. I actually have a statue of De Hoffren. You do. Do you remember I, when you saw De Hoffren in the street and you freaked out? I was like, oh my God, it was De Hoffren. And he's like, mm. So what happened was it was Halloween and it was a guy wearing a De Hoffren mask. Oh, this! <laughs> and you just screamed, De Hoffren! And the guy looked at him and was just like, Who, who's, what? What is, what, right, what, let's get away from here. And I was furious. Yeah, you were. I was drunk mad. Yeah. It was Halloween, and a guy didn't know what his mask was. It was De Hoffren, and I was so excited, and then the air was just removed from my lungs of excitement. Because it also means he didn't watch Buffy, and that's a personal issue I take with him. And it meant that a manufacturer went to the level of creating a De Hoffren mask, and either it was labeled miscellaneously in a store, or it recirculated into the world in a way that someone got a De Hoffren mask and then said, you know what, I don't want this anymore. Give it to a secondhand shop. I don't... Oh, you, they got hold of De Hoffren mask? Yeah. And then they gave that mask to a secondhand shop? And, and someone was like, I need a mask. someone bought a secondhand mask? Exactly. Can you buy secondhand masks? You can buy anything. Okay, I feel like I wouldn't I wear a wouldn't. secondhand mask. Yeah, no, you don't know what's been in there. Yeah, Sneezed uh, usually. It's gonna say like a human head, but yeah, that's more uh, that's more specific. This episode is really, really funny and really, really fun because it is that take the things literally gag. 
that you see every so often. Mm-hmm. Like, I forget what it is, but there's, like, a Disney Channel into the movie where someone's, like, break a leg, and then she, like, trips over a ladder and actually breaks the leg. I mean, mm-hmm. which is horrific. Yeah. As someone who has broken a bone. Not the funniest of jokes. But the idea <laughs> is, is, is humorous, that these idioms and turns of phrases become literally interpreted by the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah. What's your favorite of all the literal... Interpretations? Yeah. Hmm. In this episode, not in general. Right. Um, I would say... I feel like Buffy Spike just because it's the defining one. Yeah, that is great. But mm, I might actually really believe, though, that the Blind Giles... Blind Giles is... Because he's just so crass and yeah. hilarious. And then he's just like... Stop that, I can hear the smacking. Yeah, it just does so much for the episode. I love it. It also just kind of helps define post-high school Giles, who's this kind of sad bachelor. Yeah. Looking for his purpose, but not involved in any kind of like official capacity. I felt like I was um, season four Giles after I graduated college, Mm -hmm. to be honest. I feel like I drop in and out of season four Giles all the time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. sometimes dip into season four Xander yeah oh actually no that's just life yeah <laughs> um yeah I yeah what about you what's your favorite of them I love Xander's the oh, demon the, the magnet. demon magnet cause it adds the actual that's where the danger kicks in cause it's he's, a, he's attracting all the demons yeah every demon is now coming towards him that's such a dangerous Mm-hmm. You know, bloop of a of a magic spell. Yeah, that casual phrase. Little did she know. Oof. Yeah, will be the worst. Oh, Willow. Uh, yeah, and then Anya recognizes Dehoffren's dimensional seal. Yep. Yep. So that's kind of what clues them in on what the hell's even going on. And then Dehoffren leaves Willow with his talisman and says, "Use it any time." Yeah. It's like, hey. We've got a job for you, kid, and anytime you want to take it, you can have it. It's like the like shield and Iron Man like leaving a calling card. Right, right, exactly. I'm exactly. forming a team. Well, I have a team of vengeance demons. I want you to be one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just a really fun episode. This is an episode I think about a lot in terms of just like why I enjoy Buffy so much. Mm -hmm. Like Fear Itself and Something Blue are two great episodes to show people, even though they might not like know the relationships between Spike and Buffy and everything and like know the full extent of what's going on. It's like, this is the fun that can be had in a script. Yeah. And it's something that I feel like, we talked about a few times, but like something I love about Supernatural as well that I feel like they Mm kind of carried the baton from Buffy and Angel in that way where... Episodes are allowed to have like it's the stakes can be high and it can be fun. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's magic in the world and that leads to, you know, whimsy, uh, maybe not whimsy, but just like shenanigans. Mm-hmm. You know, magical shenaniganery is something that is so fun because they're just activating so much imagination. You know, what could happen instead of yeah. what should or what is happening in the world. Yeah, like what could happen. Like, two people could just decide that they want to get married because the magic compelled them to. Mm-hmm. And then, how does that follow through? Because it's an impromptu relationship. They start fighting about the reception. Right. But then they start making up. But the, that lip's going to get it. It's, yeah. You know, like... Yeah. And I feel like in that... Wind Beneath My Wings. Wind Beneath My Wings. I 
I've been thinking about this a lot lately in terms of what fantasy and genre can do for a story that, um, and like magical realism can do for a story that other genres actually can't. Or not genres, but even just straightforward drama mm-hmm. or straightforward comedy can't. Right. And I feel like there's something in translating our world that opens it up and makes it honestly a bit universal. Like, I think Game of Thrones is a more popular show right now than, like, I don't know, I want to say, like... Maybe anything. Than anything, and it's it's weird because it, it, uh, when you're thinking about it, you're like, but this is something that most of us can't relate to. We're not, you know, queens of, you know, a, a far kingdom, you know, we're not members of the Dothraki army, we don't have dragons in our in general in our world, mm-hmm. um, but it's something that we all kind of pull from, and not all, but a lot of people are interested in or pulling from. And I think it's because when you do that, you open it up like a story artifact everyone can like look into. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's like a biopic, like or a biopic, how do you pronounce it? Um, I usually say biopic. Okay, I usually say that too. And if I'm wrong, I don't want to be right. Nope. Because a biopic feels like that's like a procedure. Yeah, I'm getting a biopic on Thursday. And oh. I'll need someone to drive me. Okay, yeah, I can yeah. do that. You know, back. I can probably get there, but... Yeah. And I don't trust a Lyft driver after a biopic. I'll no. be so... You know how you are after a biopic. Yeah, you can't even do anything. You just leak it. Mm-hmm. Just your eyes are leaking. Just eyes are leaking nonstop. Nonstop. But it's something where like I'll watch one of those films and I don't feel... I feel like there's a few moments I can pull from them that I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, like Saving Mr. Banks, like Walt's speech at the end where he's like, storytellers fix the world. I'm like, that feels great. I feel very close about that. But the rest is just learning about someone else's life. Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like when something descends into genre, like heavy genre, then it feels like this is me playing pretend as well. Right. It's you finding a world in which... Technically, if you were in it, would be much worse than what you're living. Yeah. Because all of our heroes, from Buffy to Harry Potter to all the people in Game of Thrones, are undergoing incredibly violent and scary circumstances in which they could be physically torn to shreds by their enemies, burned alive, people have vengeance upon them, Buffy doesn't know what's lurking around any corner, and that could come out of different dimensional portals. That's all horrifically terrifying yeah but i think that the reason that we're all drawn to it so much or at least those of us who are and i think that the important thing about game of thrones even is that game of thrones was the harry potter of this kind of time period in the sense that i feel like the 2010s in that it was a popular fantasy world that pulled more people into the desire of the experience to have these heightened worlds in which you are following someone with a great sense of purpose. Yeah. And then by association feeling, I think where you relate or where I relate is that it's much harder, I believe, in, maybe harder is not the right word, to find purpose in one's world and life. Yeah. And maybe that's something that everyone seeks. So it feels good to see someone with a great sense of purpose. I forget who said it, but uh, and as I'm, the more I think, I don't know if you'll notice this, but like when I think really hard, it sounds like a helicopter flying overhead. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, uh, I think there was some crazy. There's a oh, it, it's a. That's a thought occurring. It's the campus copter. Oh, it's that wasn't my own. Th- that was the campus copter. It's the campus copter, and it's We've, dragging behind one of those banners. Yeah, usually it's a, like mm. an airplane, but this one is a helicopter. Right. Uh, and it says, what is that? Uh, it's kind of hard to read because it's so flappy. Donuts on the lawn. Yep. Oh, great. Well, we'll have to get that at some point later. I'm down. Donuts on the lawn. It's hot. Um, but, but yeah, I forget who said it, but uh, it was the idea that, like, children, like, adults have a hard time telling the difference between fiction and reality, mm-hmm. which is why we so much emphasize the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's fantasy. That's not real. That's fiction, right? And it's right. nonfiction. Whereas children don't have that problem. Correct. Children don't have that problem. Like, uh, when someone is, like, in The Dark Knight Rises, like, well, how did Batman get back to Gotham from being so far away? Like, an adult, like, struggles with just being like, all right, what's the real part of that or whatever? Mm-hmm. And the kid's like, he just did. He's Batman. Yeah. He just did. It's right. fiction. And I and you can absorb that. It's like, I know it happened. I watched it happen. Yeah, because yeah, then he was there. Clearly it happened. Yeah, What? Where? where's the this communication here? And so I feel like having, like, a layer of fantasy and a layer of reality, uh, not to say that one should be above the other in that way comparatively, but just... Having both exist at the same time, even in mm-hmm. the everyday, kind of works because then you can branch out into these more like universal things than just the stuff that's specifically in your scope and your experience. I think it's really cool. Yeah, I like, do too. I, yeah, I always feel like it's really weird to me when people are just like, well, that movie's not really serious because it's not, you know, this thing. And I'm just like, it's, you know, it's a genre film or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That always confuses me. And this episode, I think, says so many larger stories through that. Right. And that's what I love about magic bending episodes. Like, Giles becoming irrelevant mm-hmm. is seen through his blindness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Buffy and Spike sort of having, you know, massive changes going on in their life. They're getting engaged, you know? And I feel like they just wanted to get that out of the way. It's like, now Spike's in the show. Right. And we know people are going to be clamoring to see them perhaps be physical together so let's just get it done now and they have such a good chemistry yeah with each other sarah and james yeah fully they're just great Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you can tell that they were close throughout that show yeah at least such is my assumption it was like whenever you see these images of the uh buffy reunion yeah in ew it's like you can see that there's the chemistry, the fire still burns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, as you were saying, what would be your, what would be your idiom? What would be your willowed? What would I get willowed to yeah. do? Um, I feel like maybe Willow would make some comment like, Ugh, like, when are you going to cut that hair? That hair just grows and grows. And then you Rapunzel? Yeah. And then I go full Rapunzel. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. And I'm like trying to cut it, but it won't stop. It kind of becomes like that movie Thinner, that Stephen King movie. Yep. Or that Stephen King book that was turned into a movie. But instead of growing thinner, it's hair. Hair, and it just won't stop to the point that I'm like drowning in a room of it. In fact. What about you? (laughs) I think mine would similarly be to drowning. I think that right now with the stuff that I'm doing, I think Willow would just be like, oh, just go jump in a pool of movies or something like that. 
And then I'd be like, okay. And then I'd just like go into Fry's Electronics and just like start to make a giant pit of movies. And like, what are you doing? And then I just like Scrooge McDuck into <laughs> into all the Blu-rays. And I'm just swimming around. That'd probably be it. Great. Yeah, I'd probably just be swimming in movies. As well, you should. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. That's hilarious. Which is funny. Something funny about movies. This isn't tied to the episode, but just really quickly. Yeah. Something I find really fascinating about movies is that it's something that's not at all tied to the media mm-hmm. of the thing. Mm-hmm. So having a Blu-ray of a film is not the same as watching it or having the experience of watching it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like having a DVD or like owning a movie is not the experience of a movie. Differently from like if you have a book. And you like, you can touch the book and you can feel the book, and that's the artifact. That's the thing. And granted, it's the process in your mind of reading the words and putting together pictures and images and associations and stuff. That's the experience of reading a book. But the book is a book, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, you open it and you're looking at it. That's, you're looking at the book. And right. inside the book is a story. You open up the jewel case or whatever of a DVD box and you look at the DVD. That's not really the movie, though. Like, you know, you're not looking at the movie. Mm-hmm. Then you have to put it in, and then it's on your screen, and that's sort of the movie. But then also, it's like the experience of watching it is the movie. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. So, it's, yeah, it's just something I. So, what's your want. question? No, there's no question. Oh, I don't okay, think. Yeah. I think it's just, it always wigs me out. Like, like having a bunch of movies doesn't mean. Seeing a bunch of movies. Yeah, exactly. No, there's many movies I have that I have not seen. Yeah. Yeah, there was a time in which Walmart was just getting rid of stuff. Right. One dollar bin. And I remember I spent like 70 bucks. That's 70 movies. I know, and I walked off with a giant stack that I'm still catching up on to this day. And they were really shit films, like, (laughs) like Frogs. Oh, Frogs is a masterpiece. And today the Pond, Tomorrow yep. the World. Yep. Mm-hmm. I've watched that one at least 20 times. Yeah. Xander and Anya, what do you think about it? Still kind of figuring itself out. Yes, I Anya, agree. I love Anya. I've always expressed Anya as my favorite character because she is. She's not quite that character yet. They haven't really given her the time to really become herself. She's still the girlfriend entering the friend circle. Mm-hmm. It's weird because Spike, I feel like, is more in the Scooby gang. But they've fought with him, and he has background with And they've allied with him twice. That's very true. Because it's like, you know, Buffy allied with Spike in both the finale of season two. Mm -hmm. So even even though Spike was a villain, like, I remember when I didn't watch Buffy, Spike was the most iconic thing. Like, there would be flat. Like, when Buffy was just a show that I clicked past on the channels, back when that's how you watch TV, is you click through your channels, um, I wouldn't watch the show, but I was like, okay, I know that in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, her villain is this blonde vampire. Right. And so he really stands out. So even though when he enters the show as this violent figure, he's always fun, he's never really that ominous, and then he becomes Buffy's friend. Right. Like, when he punches that cop in Becoming, instantly you're like, okay, good. I get to like Spike? Yeah. Awesome. There's, like, sort of a helpful enemy back and forth, kind of from the get-go a little bit. Yes. Yeah. He was always kind of a friend of me. And then when he comes in in Lover's Walk, beyond threatening Willow with the bottle, he's funny. Yeah. 
He's funny. He teams up with them to stop what's going on. And then when he returns, now it's just sort of like, okay, that's what Spike's going to be now. Can I pitch you an idea that yes. probably can never happen? Of course. Spike and Loki team up. Love it. Right. They're both similar. Right? Yeah. Loki, I feel like, is a little more evil. Yes. I didn't see Thor 2. Though I know you didn't? They, no, I know. I need to. And they become, like, allies in that one, right? It's, it's continually complicated. Okay, great. But there's some collective goals. It's a great... I like Thor 2 a lot. Yeah. I don't get the... When people are just like, Avengers movies are great. I mean, not Thor. Yeah, I'm why like, are people why? like that? And I hear a lot of people who are just like, oh, there's so many, like a lot of film nerdy people are like, lots of Dutch angles. And I'm just like, okay. So what? Yeah, that's, what's the, I don't understand the problem there. Yeah, I don't get it. Like, just because you identify an element of cinema doesn't make it a thing. Yeah, yeah is it that they don't like Hemsworth? I but don't he's know. great for Thor. He's incredible. Yeah, he's strong and tall and attractive and you know a perfect actor for what thor is which is kind of this heroic believable oaf and also someone to like a character to grow here's my favorite thing about thor and i love just so full disclosure thor is my favorite avenger Mm -hmm. and my favorite thing about thor is compared to Everyone else in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Thor's the only one who's, like, changing and developing Mm -hmm. and, like, looks different. And I get that we want, like, continuity between characters, but it feels like... I feel like no one really learns their lesson and changes except for Thor, to be completely honest. Yeah. I mean, Cap, you don't want to futz with Cap too much. He's a great guy. Steve's a great guy. Yeah. He might be a little simplistic. He might be, I don't know, he was maybe a tad trusting in Winter Soldier. I don't even think so. I feel like Cap is always just usually right-ish. Mm-hmm. Like, even in Civil War, I was like, I mean, he's wrong because then they went and destroyed an airport. But in principle, coming out of Winter Soldier, I don't think he's completely incorrect. Right. He has reason to be suspicious of the government that was recently taken over by Hydra. Makes total sense. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Tony changes a whole lot. I feel like Tony keeps being like, I need to be better with the people around me, and then still kind of a jerk. In Civil War, I feel like he's... That's not the same Tony. If you think... Oh, do you think it's a scroll? No. Okay. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, <laughs> but yes, but the characters in Buffy, they change... Quite a bit. And Thor feels like more of that. Like, he feels like from one, and I know you haven't seen two, but even from one to Avengers, and by the end of Avengers, he's, like, a little different. Yeah. Um, I feel like in the movies, he learns a lesson and changes Mm -hmm. enough. Like, not, like, a huge amount where suddenly you've broken his character. But, like, from Thor to Ragnarok, completely different. Not completely different, but very different characters. You've seen this guy grow. Yeah. I don't feel like I can say the same for anyone else. Widow, Hawkeye. Yeah, no. You know? Like, even I would say Banner started with a really cool idea in Avengers when they were kind of, like, rebooting the Banner stuff. Yeah. And I feel like that Banner's been consistent. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, he feels kind of bad about being the Hulk. Sort of. (laughs) Yeah. So, anyway... That's yeah. why I, I really like Thor, because I feel like he's an actual character that's, like, absorbing and changing his environment and doing mm-hmm. stuff, and he looks a little bit different each time and everything. Yeah, that's true. Whereas I feel like the other guys and, and folks don't. Yeah, I'm so, with you on that. Yeah, but if you are not a fan of the Thor films, please let us know why. 
and I'm not going to argue, this isn't like other, uh, I don't know, programs where people are just like, no, my opinion's right. Mm. Come fight me. I don't mm. like to fight people. <laughs> right. But if there's any reason you don't enjoy the Thor movies, please let me know why. I'd yeah. be very curious. At SSG Podcast. And what I like about Thor, too, is that it's like, it had the Loki presence is similar to the Spike presence in the sense that there's always a little bit of conflict at home. Yes, like you never have to really seek it. Like yeah. Spike is always going to kind of be here as a thorn in their side, and I like that Spike is non-evil, evil but non-evil enough that these are the people that he trusts. Yeah. Maybe on the whole planet. The people that Spike is most familiar with right now is the Scooby Gang, and in that they're yeah. kind of his friends. Yeah, there is a great. He knows them. He knows their personalities. Yep, he's been through stuff with them. Yeah, uh, there's a great moment in Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, I want to say it was in the last season when they went back to save George Washington, where at the end <laughs> of the episode, and I, I think it's a, either a Christmas or a Thanksgiving episode. I think it's a Christmas episode. I think they were and in they Christmas saved crowns. The Legends of Tomorrow saved George Washington oh, on yeah. Christmas? That's insane. They saved George Washington hard. That's so funny. Um, they're, they have to... One of their uh, team has gone bad. It's taken up, been taken over by some bad guys. I don't want to say too much as to not ruin it. But they have to go save them. And the idea is, like, do we just get rid of this person who's, like, now the, the big bad of this season? Mm-hmm. And... The, and then so they're kind of just discussing a little bit and they're kind of feeling like there's a little bit of unspoken weirdness like we have to fight like one of our friends and then uh, one of I, I, I'm trying to say so little as to not spoil stuff but a character stands up and goes like we're gonna get him because no one fights like family and I was like that's amazing and uh. that's such a good idea for a central conflict that no one fights like family yeah because I feel like so many stories are just like us against like a bad guy outside. Yeah. And you're like, well, I know this is how this is going to work out. The Guardians have to fight a guy that's clearly just a dictator. Mm-hmm. I assume that person's going to lose. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think that the reason that so many of the Buffy villains are actually interesting is they're not this faceless evil. Like, right. like, uh, a part of the reason I have trouble kind of feeling excited about Thanos is that just because he's been like teased and secretive and is strong doesn't really connect me to what's real about him. I agree. And so with like the mayor, the reason that the mayor is so interesting in season three of Buffy is that he he loves Faith. Yeah. And he truly loves Faith. And he doesn't get, he's he's not that interesting until I mean, he's, he's a fun character. Charming. He's played very well. Yeah. Uh, but it. Do, I don't feel like that fire starts burning until Faith goes to his side. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Because then you actually... Because it's real. Because you connect to it. Like, the reason that Angelus is such a horrible villain is because Angelus is... He represents so much that yeah. she's lost. And it's looking her in the face. And it also represents that idea of losing someone that you care about and them not being who you who they were yeah. anymore. I think the reason that part of the the master isn't that interesting. I agree. He looks fine, but the master is the Thanos. Just kind yeah. of this you know, and his whole he he's just kind of nebulous. And then it's strange that we're here in 
Buffy season four at episode nine, and even though traces of the greater evil have showed up, this season is still kind of figuring itself out. Sure. Yeah, we're nine episodes in. I feel like... Which is an unusual structure for a Buffy season. Yes. They're definitely playing it slow, emphasizing, in terms of that macro story, Mm -hmm. playing the character stuff, letting the actors have a ton of fun. Yeah. There's so many great gags. I still... I'm I'm never over Xander's polishing the no smoking sign in episode... No, it's in Beer Bad, right? Episode four. Is it episode four? Where no, it's like it's, he's trying to give everybody a light. And yeah. Then finally but he then gets, she's like, and he, it's like this girl, and she's like, I have so many problems. Can I get a light? And he just put, holds it. Yeah. Like, that's a great gift to give an actor. That's mm-hmm. so funny and so mm-hmm. hilarious. I. Yeah. And we're settling into the changes. The, yeah, exactly. The Buffy Riley stuff is finally official. Yeah. I feel like from the moment. Riley's not played subtly. From the moment he shows up in The Freshman, it's like, hey guys, Buffy's new love interest, what do you think? And everyone was like, eh, I don't know. It's like, well, gear up for it because this is going to take quite a while. Yeah. And so finally they're taking picnics. Was this the episode where he says all that stuff about like cars and learning about women? Was that this episode? I think it was. Uh-huh. Yes. He's putting up the Lesbian Alliance banner. Right, Which right. is great. Yeah. Um, and... Very endearing to Riley. Yes. That it's like, good. He's like, even though he's in this bro-y realm of college, he's a accepting person. Yeah. He's not a douchebag. Yeah, he's not some other folks that we saw punched in the face and we're happy exactly. to see punched in the face. Exactly. He's not like a typical college jock. Quick update, guys. The campus copter's flying overhead with a new banner. All the donuts are out. Damn, we should have finished this thing quicker. We should have. We, we can't. We have to. Yeah, we no, don't want to shortchange all short the study buddies. And you know what? We'd regret those donuts. Because we would have sacrificed half a session for those donuts. Yeah. Those would have been blood donuts. Blood donuts. And I, you know what? Not for me. Not for me. Unless it's jelly and they're faking that it's blood. That's fun. Yeah. That's fun. Mm-hmm. One of the first things I did in LA was I went to a Buffy birthday party and there were some amazing cupcakes. With blood in them? No, it was like a one was like a graveyard, and there was like little doll hands coming out of them. Love it. Uh, yeah, great. They were incredible. But uh, Riley, oh, so then they have that conversation about driving. Yes, which is a little odd because I, to me, I think the reason that so many fans have trouble with Riley is that he feels disingenuous. That like I almost wish Riley was like hard southern. Or British, or like something almost so characterized, almost like a Jane Austen character that was just dropped into um, the Buffyverse, as opposed to just kind of like wonderbred nice guy. I see what you're saying. I mean, he to me feels very Southern Californian, even though he's but he's supposed to be from Iowa. Sure, yeah, but to me, he feels very. Californian in the sense that he's a a good guy and he's wants to help people but he's also part of the initiative mm-hmm. which isn't great right and that to he's me he's also is, a liar he's secret I mean, or maybe not liar in the sense that Buffy is as well you know, I think a it's secret yeah identity. I yeah I mean in terms of that I guess he has yeah a secret identity but it's that it's um 
someone who comes off, this is just my impression of, of a lot of Californians, is someone who comes off seemingly uncomplicated and straightforward, but isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, to themselves. Do you know what I mean? Right. Oh, yeah. Where in California, I've noticed a lot of people will be super progressive, but also will have a complete blind spot as to their personal biases or, you know, racism, homophobia, transphobia, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. This speaking as a native Californian, where it's like, I don't know, I grew up thinking like, I'm a very good person because I'm in California and like I, I live near San Francisco and I believe in all this stuff, but I was still totally just, I had downloaded all the horrible like racist notions and stuff from society, but I just didn't quite accept it or know it or could face it because I was like, but I'm good. Mm-hmm. And I get that from Riley. Yeah. Where he is a good guy. Yeah. But he's doing these bad things, and I don't know if he can see that they're bad. He can yeah. see other people doing bad things. And that, to me, is what's fascinating about Riley. I think most Joss characters are sort of aware, unless they're villains, are sort of aware of what ish makes them tick. Mm-hmm. And, like, Willow knows that it's bad to abuse magic. We addressed that issue seasons ago. But but she's still doing it, yeah. And she knows it, and that's sort of like the whole like no one fights like family, and that you're mm-hmm. gonna screw up, the Scoobies are here for you. You're gonna screw up, Scoobies are here for you. Your friends gonna screw up, you're a Scooby, you're there for them. Mm-hmm. Whereas Riley doesn't have that, no. and I, that's what I find so interesting. That's what I think is a great element of his character in the show right now. Yeah, like for example, Spike's in our crew now, right? In terms of Scooby stuff, right? How do you think Riley feels about it? He's unaware so far. Yeah, but how do you, like, you know, in general, yeah. how would he... He's, that's hostile. Yeah. You know? He hates it. Yeah. And, you know, we'll see how that all unfolds. Plays out, soon. yeah. But, yeah, no, I get you on that. It's like these notions, and that's what Riley is, is he's the notion of I should be everything, mm-hmm. but I'm not. Yeah. In the same way that his speech about just going on a car ride, I love that sentiment. I used to, I do that all the time with my dad. Mm-hmm. There's an old, you know, that old Chuck Berry song, the like, driving around in my automobile, yep. no particular place to go. I skipped a few lines there, <laughs> um, just to get to the point. So I love the concept of driving around with no particular place to go. I kind of wish that was the date that Buffy and Riley went on. That would have been so hard to shoot, though. Yeah, it would have been weird. <laughs> but the way that it's presented, and he's just like, there's something about I'm trying to define why he's such a cheese ball. Like, is it's it the performance? Is it's like the way that he's like shown in these bright lights. I'll be okay. And it's not quite creepy. I think that's what it is. Is it's like it's not quite Stepford Wivesy enough. I think we might need to get a guest on for this. I I'm trying to think exactly how to phrase this. I would. I think. I think Riley might be outside of your gaze. Uh huh. And I think maybe that's something that's a bit off to you. Perhaps, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I can't quite grasp that he's real. In a way, well, because like. I'm trying to think exactly how to. So the idea is that, like, if I think he's a little bit of a dreamboat, 
right for buffy right now in her life Mm -hmm. and because of that i think that he might come off as like weird or incomplete or like as you say as like a cheese ball in the same way that i think a lot of like love interest female characters for us might feel complete Mm-hmm. And we're like, there's nothing wrong here. And then people who are not the intended audience for that love interest are just like, what are you talking about? She's insane. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but like we might not see that. That's a bit of an intense reaction there. But I... No, I see what you mean. But it's yeah. not... But it's, it is... It's important to, I think, as we go through the Riley time on Buffy... It's known amongst the fandom that he's generally disliked, at least in the conversations that I mostly see happening. I, and I'm not saying that that's the correct perspective. I, I see how for but, you, for 100% of the folks you've talked to. or I just mean the, buff, the message boards. 95%. Like there's shirts about it. Yeah, but I... Yeah, that's like, so... And Sterling, our friend Sterling Gates, who loves Riley and we need to have come on and and talk about Riley, when Riley came up, he, as a Riley fan, was, it it was almost like Riley fandom felt like it had to be something that was defended. I wonder, to be completely honest, how organic that is. In the same way that there's future characters that people make fun of a lot. And I think it just became fun to make fun of certain characters in Buffy. Yeah. Cause the idea of a character being silly or a little ridiculous or a little bit of a cheese ball mm-hmm. in a Joss Whedon show is the weirdest problem I've ever heard. But I think that they're usually, I'm not saying I'm right. And I'm curious as to what people listening would mm-hmm. say. Because it was like, you know, I remember when we started posting about season four, Blair was like, ugh, the Riley years. Or like I'd see in like the message boards, because there's, there's that Buffy group. It's like people are like, okay, so who's the worst character in Buffy? Is it Riley? Is it blah, blah, blah? Like he's always on the list. Yeah. He's always on the list. So I'm, I think that but- the sampling isn't specific to the people I'm encountering. I think that it's the sample size of the people who reacted to it, not saying that it's correct. Well, literally, if it's people you're aware of, it's the people you've interacted with. So, <laughs> But, because I don't, I don't, you don't know. Ex- you don't experience that. I didn't have that, and I, and I never, growing up, had that experience as well with a future character that everyone hates. Right. I feel like... But that character, the, the character that we won't mention yet as that character is yet to enter the show yeah. is definitely the one that the fandom declares they are most against. I'm so like, I don't, but I feel like I'm like, I don't know, man. Like I really don't. Yeah. That's like me saying like the best character in Dr. Horrible is moist because everyone I know loves moist, but I shouldn't say that because I don't know how we could, identify you know like i feel like it's i feel like when something catches on people get really excited to do it but i'm like i i really want an actual i think i'd need an actual explanation as to why riley and future character are the worst instead of just it's fun for us to dogpile on them like individually i love to go toe-to-toe yeah. with people yeah and not like in a room full of like sing-along folk right like, i love to be like but why yeah. but why though i you think know? that in both cases 
It's the performance. I disagree, though. Yeah. For me, it's the performance. I think that the performance doesn't, for me, uh-huh. and I think for what others... What about the performance? I feel like it doesn't necessarily seem like it's in the same reality. How so? Um, I think that the way that... The way that the Riley actor, who I know did not do much before or after, the way that he delivers lines, to me, often feels like it is a front-of-the-classroom book report of lines, and that fits with him being the T.A. figure. Yeah, that sounds like, yeah. But at the same time, I think that the ease of... So many of these Buffy characters are... It feels as though there is a, even like a Xander who's like a fool, it, there's just this ease of motion in their physicality and the way that their face reacts and moves that's like, okay, I accept this character in this world. Whereas Riley, I might even say, and this is a different thought, I just had it though, almost would me- feel like he made more sense to me in like a lot of the way that the actors on Angel act, where it's like some of that world is a little stiffer and I think that part of the reason that I and then the future character my thoughts on that is a whole different podcast but I think with Riley it's that and I'm trying to discover because I am trying to not be annoyed by Riley do you think it's do you think it's a performance choice or an or a character choice because he is I think it's performance because I don't, it's the idea of the clean cut Iowa boy who's military but works for the psychological professor. Oh, there's a, oh, there's an update. there's an update. Uh, they're getting rid of the lawn. Oh God. It's a complete overhaul. What what are they going to put there? It's going to turn to a, what, a parking lot? It might be a new lawn. I don't know. It could be. Yeah. A lot of people are driving nowadays. Yeah. 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 Not as many people sitting and having picnics like Riley. Yeah. Um, I think that it's a, I, yeah, I think that to me, the actor doesn't feel like he's at ease in the role and that ultimately the, just like a natural charisma doesn't feel like it exudes off of him. And then I think that the fact that he's such a Buffy character, like so many of the other characters, even Angel himself. Angel has, because Angel, people would say in those early seasons, they're like, oh, he's such a cheese ball. I don't like Angel. I've always kind of accepted Angel, even in the earlier years pre-Angelus, where people say like in season one, they think that he's too melodramatic, he's too soap opera-y. But what I like about Angel is that Angel's kind of connected to all the characters. He has his own relationship to Willow. He has his own, you know, Xander hates him, and he doesn't care about Xander, but he understands that Xander will always represent the person who doesn't accept him. Giles and he have a whole other deep level. And I know Riley's a newer character, but he's so specifically brought into us through Buffy that if the character that he, that's his linchpin in the show, if the chemistry and the scenes, and even just like boiling it down to the dialogue, like that moment where he's like talking about the cars and like you can teach me about women and the way the music works, something about it to me just feels kind of, False and Stepfordy, but not in a intentional way. That's just a thought. In I'm because I'm trying to track because I feel like you started with performance, but then went to the context of the character in the show, the writing, 
the sound design. I think it's a combination of factors. That's interesting. I find it interesting because I think that then it's not performance. The reason I think performance is the most important element of it is there's the context of the character, sure. Because the context of future character, I also totally accept. Uh I think that there's a... Since the performance is the conduit of the experience, it's kind of a make-or-breaker. Because he's not supposed to be... He's not from Sunnydale. He's not a Scooby. He is also part of the initiative, so he would be very uniform. Mm -hmm. So all this stuff that I would expect out of the character, stuff that you are saying... So it's interesting to me because I, like I'm, I was very, not super into Riley in general aside from just like the exploration of the character of how does this ideology fit into like a paranormal world, but like I'm probably more so on the side of him being a good character and it being a good performance because of what you're saying, mm-hmm. like. It is like a splash of Angel because I think they're like Angel is very uniform and a little like Angel's more noir. Yeah. But there is a feeling of cops, suits, adulthood, mm-hmm. you know? Um and Riley has that. Like it makes sense to me that he is so outside of that world. And that's very interesting. It's also it makes sense that Buffy would be interested in him because she's been inside her world for so long and there's been a lot of terrible fallout, especially lately, of that. And I think that all works. I think that another character that he reminds me of is Ballard from Dollhouse, Mm -hmm. who I also have a similar reaction to in terms of feeling like the performance is a little less than uh, alluring. Um, because everything that you're saying about the character, and I do accept that, and I do accept that Buffy likes him, what I'm trying to get to the core of is when those scenes come on, and it's not all the scenes, because a lot of the scenes that they have for the rest of the season are scenes that I think are stronger. I like when we get into the deeper levels of Riley, but I know that when he comes up, it's... uh, I don't like it as much. Do you think you don't like... Do you like the character of Riley, but not the performance? Or do you like the performance of Riley, but not the character? Do you see what I'm saying? Do you think that it's a well-acted part, but it's a part that you don't like? Or do you think it's a great part, and you would have I think I think it's an, I think I think it's an okay part. Mm-hmm. That it's like, okay, sure. This is the choice that you made to follow up uh, her high school life. Mm-hmm. This is her partner post-high school Fine. I'm not thrilled by that character or his circumstance in terms of the initiative and the TA thing, Mm -hmm. but I'm fine with it. And I understand that that's how it functions. And then it's mostly the early performance of the actor. Because as I reflect on later Times of him, I think he's doing a fine job. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you know, I don't want to get too spoiler with it, but like, you know, later in the future, 
I do come to enjoy him more. And in fact, there's a different context where I think he actually really functions. I, because that's something that I, like my general feelings about Riley is that I, it's, I think he's doing a great job acting personally. Because yeah. I feel like bad acting, you can see, like you can actually just, it, it makes you realize there's cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the acting is solid. I think the character is very interesting because, and the reason I say this is because I don't dislike Riley. I just don't trust him. Mm-hmm. And I don't, tr- and it's not that he's consciously hiding secrets. I don't trust that type of guy to know himself well enough to allow me to trust him. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And that's, I think, a setup for, I mean, this isn't, like, think about what's going on right now where he is doing the right thing, meets Buffy, who's, you know, had a friend that was a werewolf, is close, was close to, her ex-boyfriend was a vampire, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, was just engaged to a hostel, you know, very recently, even though it was under a spell, um, is friends with a demon, Anya, Mm -hmm. you know, and... His reaction to that, I feel uneasy of like, oh, the closer they get, that's going to be a problem. And there's like tension there. But I think that's, for me, evidence of a great character. I'm just, I get nervous when Riley and Buffy get closer to each other because I'm just like, I, but this type of dude is going to have a weird reaction. Mm -hmm. And that's something I experience in real life where I'll meet someone's like, you know, boyfriend and then they're just like, I can see in their eyes, like, oh, this is a lot more of a diverse crowd than I was expecting. And then they're just like a little uneasy, and then like some weird stuff like slips out, and you're just like, okay, you're growing and changing as a person, and we're seeing it. Mm-hmm. That's something I really like about Riley, especially this rewatch. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting. I mean, we'll have to pull more people on and just figure out, because I think it's all personally, because the acting on Buffy has never been like, the wire sort of stuff. It's more of community where it's like, there's a general understanding that this is a TV show. Right. And that we're acting on a TV show. Not to say that it's poor. It's just the awareness of, but we can play within that. It mm-hmm. feels very like theatery to me. Yeah. Like Xander stuff. It's like the fact that some of his jokes don't land is the joke in itself. And mm-hmm. that's like funny. And that's like what we kind of like love about it and dig about it. Right. So yeah, that's interesting. I feel like we'll, this conversation is probably going to continue throughout a while. <laughs> we'll have to pull people on to well, Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I, and I feel like I have to reiterate, I do not like consider myself a Riley hater mm-hmm. by any mm-hmm. means. I do remember that he's a character that I'm less than excited by. He's not ranking high on my list. And in this rewatch, I'm trying to re-explore what it is to be a character in my favorite show that I'm not over the moon about. Right. And this is kind of the first one in the series where that's true of. Do you think that his performance is worse than Eliza's at, when she came in as Faith? Um, I do, because do you, I really... Do you think his acting is worse than Kendra's? Um, I, I wouldn't... It's hard to say because I feel like worse is such a weird way for me to scale it. Uh-huh. But I think that I was satisfied with those characters. Interesting. Like when they clicked in, because I think that your whole idea about trust is what it is. Mm-hmm. And that maybe I'm 
not trusting the character as well as not fully being enraptured by the performance. So therefore, I'm having trouble enjoying my time with him. So I think that um, with Kendra and with Faith, I instantly was good with them. I was just kind of like, I like what this story element yeah. is. It's interesting because like, you're not supposed to feel okay about Riley. Yeah. Because he's the initiative. Right. He was torturing Spike. Right. He was drugging his blood. Yeah. I think Riley is a really complicated character Mm -hmm. in the same way that a future character that we'll talk about later down the road Mm -hmm. is a very complicated character a lot of people's like oh the character's just this i'm like no the character's got a lot going on in terms of Mm -hmm. subtext and yeah i think that i don't know it's interesting because i feel like if feeling uneasy about him is the character Mm -hmm. and it's a deeper thing like that's like a seed that's been planted because of course that's just a tension that's going to go between the initiative and the Scoobies and Riley sort of in the middle because he's attracted to Buffy, but he's part of the initiative and those are his, that's his family. Yeah. Scoobies aren't necessarily his family, you know, it's like, which, yeah. what's going to happen really there? He doesn't really know them. Uh, so it's interesting. I don't know. We'll have to, as episodes go on, continue the conversation, mm-hmm. but I'll be curious to see how your opinion changes. Yeah. Once certain things are maybe addressed, because if you're, if you don't enjoy scenes between them, I think it's because of this, like it's Hitchcock's bomb under the table mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, seeing two guys playing poker, knowing that there's a bomb under the table, yeah. it doesn't make me hate poker. I just go, that's a very tense scene, you know? Yeah, it's like Buffy's having a picnic with a guy who's secretly, like, experimenting on demons in the basement. Right. It's yeah. like, you know, uh, you know, Clark and Lex yeah. getting soda pop together mm-hmm. when they're about to, you know, Superman's about to destroy Lex's satellite and Lex is about to just drop, you know, crypt- you know kryptonite everywhere, but they don't know that. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. And again... Thor, and maybe I just have a thing for tall dudes. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. And I think also, and I I don't think I'm speaking without base when I say that in my, yes, I can only speak to my own experience, but I don't think I'm speaking inaccurately in terms of in my time looking through general Buffy fandom stuff on the Instagram stuff on it feels like the idea of him people not being him fans is constant yeah I mean if I'm not saying that's not something you're seeing I'm saying, and I'm not fueling it I'm not like the one being yeah. like hey what's up everybody we all hate Riley right <laughs> right like there was one post like recently. the Sean Hannity against yeah I'm <laughs> against not like Riley. a I am not a Sean Hannity Riley guy um there was this weird shirt. There's a shirt about it. Mm-hmm. There's a shirt that's like, I love everybody on Buffy except Riley. It's like they sell it. It's weird. Yeah, and I'm curious because... I was like, I'm... Fox sells it, but like someone went... You made it, Someone's yeah. selling that shirt. I should look back on that conversation. It's on the Facebook Buffy group of which there's like 60,000 people. Right. And there's conversations every day. And that's, I guess, where I'm getting my... Sample size. It's yeah. I would be. I would be curious as to. I would be interested to find out what people don't like. Because again, it's a thing where, and I see the the hand getting close to the bell mm-hmm. uh, before extracurricular. But it's a thing where, like, I'll hear people say like that was a bad movie, and I'm always curious about that. I'm always curious about that because 
what does that mean? There's no such thing as, like I said, like a toaster either works and toasts your bread or it doesn't. Mm. And if it makes toast in the at the end of the day, pretty good toaster. If you put bread in and it comes out and it's still bread, not even heated, that's a bad toaster because it right. has a function. A film, a story, a performance doesn't have a function in the same way a toaster has a function. Right. It gives you an impression and then you react to it. Mm-hmm. And so I would be interested to see why other people have this reaction because what are they reacting to? Mm-hmm. Because also I don't think, like in Buffy, a show where it's rubber masks and we trade in stunt actors, really, you know, like Sarah hides behind crates and a stunt actor runs out and on these new releases we're just like, or like the touched up editions, we're like, that's clearly a stunt actor. Yeah. A show that we collectively as the audience, and this is what I love about Buffy folk, is we accept that. And we're like, the story's important, not this little... Did we get the lighting right? Was right. it, you know, was it, did we, did this stunt actor turn in time as the wig on properly? Mm-hmm. We don't care about that. The fun of this is we get to play in a world of demons and magic. Why we would then shift gears and be like, but this is very stunted and stilted and cardboard when there's so much other stuff we accept. Right. That's what I'm curious about. Yeah. Why do we, about Riley and future character, get so pedantic? Mm-hmm. and specific yeah. when the rest of the show we accept where we're like the docs of yeah. course it's the docs mm-hmm. you know we didn't need to That's hear the docs point. before so no. i'm just wondering what people are reacting to yeah no it's a good point because yeah, i was even like you know a lot of friends who i just at this point know could never get into buffy or angel mm-hmm. i was like sitting here watching uh the angel episode that we'll cover in the next session and as it was on and you know my friend was or my roommate was in the kitchen I was like, I bet they're overhearing this thinking it is just like... Insane. Just in, just nuts. Yeah. 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 So, I'm, yeah, I'm very interested. Because also, everything, I feel like... I kind of want to do a poll in that Facebook group thing. Be like, hey guys, I'm curious what you think about Riley. With a picture of Riley and be like, do heart for like and wow for not like. And please leave a comment below on what you think about him. That would be great. And we could go through it next time. Yeah, a spoiler free. Like we'll tweet because I, and I won't put any and I'll put a great picture of him out there. Mm-hmm. It'll be unbiased. Curious as to your thoughts about Riley. I think, and maybe we might even have to just have a pause Riley specific session and really dig into this. Yeah, because I think we've started to open it, and I know when Sterling comes on that he wants to defend Riley so much that like I'm gonna need to be pretty just kind of we might ready need to, to even be... have like a to a full balance because <laughs> i'm not panel. and again because i think we need someone who likes riley less than me yeah because they're out there because you're not we need the sean hannity riley i'm not a riley hater yeah. i feel like i know that i was the side of this conversation that's like yeah i don't really like him and i was just socratically also just pushing <laughs> i noticed <laughs> so, yeah. that i noticed it i was like well yeah you're right and i was you're like well what don't you like about the acting i was like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to try to figure out how to describe this. Which but, is yeah. totally unfair because I then didn't have to put anything forward. I just asked questions. Like Socrates did. Just, just like Socrates. <laughs> Anything got books written about him? That's not fair. Where are my books? Uh, well, he didn't write the books. No. He, you had to get someone to follow you around and write it down. That's probably what it is. Yeah. So feel free to follow me on Twitter and then write books about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but please don't follow me unless you're going to write books about me. Let's yeah, be honest. Exactly. He needs a, you need a Play-Doh that's walking around. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we should maybe... In the next week or two, next week we're going to be down in Los Angeles for yeah. Angel. But after that, possibly after two weeks 
of collective research, mm-hmm. maybe we're gonna have O'Reilly Spectacular. Yeah, O'Reilly. I think we should get a little deeper into the storyline. The season, okay. Because then the new Scoobies can kind of have experienced a little bit more of his. So how about this then, guys? You're seeing behind the curtain here. This is great. This maybe, is how the sausage yeah. gets made. Maybe post Yoko Factor. Hmm? Maybe post Yoko Factor. Maybe we should have the seat. The summer of Riley. The summer of Riley. The summer of Riley starts. It started actually when we started season started, four. Yeah, it just but we're right starting now. this. The summer capital S summer of Riley, and it is going to continue on, and we are going to gather everything and can you uh if you are responding please i know this might take up a huge chunk of your space but hashtag summer of riley mm-hmm. we're gonna collect all the summer of riley responses and later down the season we're gonna we're gonna have a riley episode yeah where we just stop and talk about riley and what's going on yeah maybe we'll moderate between sterling and Someone who has Absolutely, because I think maybe as Summer of Riley continues, you and I will drop in some thoughts, look at yeah. people's reactions appropriate to the episodes we're discussing. Mm-hmm. I think you and I are pretty on the spectrum of, we like this show, and that's yes. really the, as committed as we are to an opinion of the characters. Yeah. Is it a character on the show? We like the show. Like mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. As far as we've dove, you know, uh, dug into it. But we should get some specific Riley people. Yeah. We should get some like anti-Riley people. I wonder where Rachel stands. It's gotta be a. We gotta have a huge panel. We got to buy some more microphones. Yeah, we might need to like get a mixer. Ask yeah. study buddy Stephen Ray Morris to yeah. do some sort of my favorite murder kind of mm-hmm. mixing on this. Maybe we're gonna each have to sort of dress as one of the Rileys. Oh wow! Like Buffy date Riley, Initiative Riley. Yep. Like and walk out <laughs> and then like get people to like vote and yeah. like see how they feel. Yeah. Some ink blots. This mm-hmm. is going to be... Guys, Summer of Riley's summer taking Riley off. Is you thought huge. Summer was winding down because it's back to school? No, 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 nope. no, 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 no. Summer of Riley has just begun mm-hmm. and will not end for... Well, we haven't done the quiet scheduling yet, but we have a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> we have a while. Summer of Riley's going to linger. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's technically summer until September 22nd. And I think it's going to be Summer of Riley until September 22nd. I think so. Oh, so. actually, it's probably going to be Summer of Riley past that. Yep, <laughs> it might be. But after the summer of Riley comes the uh, fall of Riley. Uh, the <laughs> fall. Oh, that that's gonna be more interesting. Uh, so great. Well, that is our bell. I am so excited that the conclusion we landed on is now it's a thing. Yeah, now we have to turn again. It into a, really want to emphasize it. We have to get to the bottom of it. Hashtag summer of Riley because there's gonna be so many responses. It'll just be easier to just pull, and then you could see it too. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go through our mentions on Twitter. You don't have to dig through Facebook stuff. Just search hashtag Summer of Riley, and you'll see people's responses, mm-hmm. people's thoughts. Please, if it's going to be a spoiler, mark it as such. Yeah, it's always yeah. appreciated. Um, great. Okay. Well, that's our bell, which means we only have a little bit of time left for an extracurricular activity. I know that we talked a lot about Riley, so mm-hmm. we don't need to necessarily do the longest of, yeah. of ones. But uh, this is an episode where a, a, a spell goes awry. And Willow was out. She was upset. Uh, Buffy and Spike were arranging a wedding. Xander was getting uh, tons of demons running after him. Ooh, I have an idea. What's that? What about you play the priest at Buffy and Angel's fake wedding? Unless and Buffy had... and Spike. Yeah, Buffy and Spike. Yeah. Okay. Unless you had something you were doing. Uh, that totally works. How about you, though? What are you going to... Actually, I have an idea. Okay. I have an idea. Okay, great. And uh, you'll know... You're being called on because it's the only uh, call on. Okay. 
Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today in <clears throat> a shady Sunnydale Park to celebrate the love of Buffy Summers and Spike. Spike! Okay, just Spike. I would introduce myself. I'm Omar. I am an officiant. Uh, I can perform this ceremony, and I've been such a huge Buffy fan my entire life that this is so exciting. Um, it seems like these two guys just met, but they've known each other for a while. And it kind of makes sense. Joyce and Spike know each other. Buffy and Spike have fought in the past and have made up and have fought again. And what is marriage but an eternal fight to prove to each other that you love each other? So really, I don't want this to go on too much. The wind's picking up a little bit. We don't want Spike here to, to catch fire, so... We'll get through this. I know that they've prepared some vows for each other, but really quickly, I always like to ask if anyone has anything to say, speak up now for a roll your peace. Granted, no one ever does, so uh, I'll just say it again. Speak now for a roll your peace. Ahem! I feel like that was just someone clearing their throat, so we can probably continue. Ahem! Are you, sir, are you clearing your throat in the back there, or? Uh... I object. Okay, <laughs> we have our first... Uh, did someone, is this someone from the talent show back in the day doing this? Or is this, uh, is this a real objection? This wedding can't happen. Okay, this has never happened to me before. Uh, okay, why, I suppose, by ordained minister law, I have to allow you some sort of platform to speak. Who are you, sir? My name is Liam. I come from the future. I was once a vampire called Angel, who knew these two, but this wedding cannot be. Holy smokes, everyone, this is Angel! No, I'm no longer him. Oh. Angel is dead. What? But Liam lives. Oh, it's Liam! This wedding will bring forth apocalyptic ruin. It'll bring about the death of Buffy, even Spike. Everybody, everybody here this day will die if this, if they say yes on this patch today. It cannot happen. Okay, well, thank you so much, Liam. Just wanted to, you know, say my part. That's yeah, it's appreciated. Uh, look, folks, I'm gonna be totally honest. I've never had this happen before, where I have been performing a wedding and someone from the future arrives, no longer a vampire, and says that we'll all die if the ceremony is completed. And I would like to remind you that the ceremony is not completed until I sign and submit the paperwork within. What this county says is 10 days from the wedding, but really it's actually a year. That's a little secret. Uh, let's do a quick vote. Those in favor of continuing the wedding, say aye. Aye. That was one. Uh, aye. Aye. That was three. Aye, aye, aye. That, I think, was someone riding a bike by playing some Aussie. How about nay? No. People, you're crazy. Trust me. Why does nobody trust me? Can you tell that I delivered this message with honesty? No. Okay, so that was no nays. I guess the ceremony continues. Thank you so much for the democratic process. Shout out to the guy playing Ozzy. What up? Throwback. I, I, I. There he is. All right. I'm going to go ahead and pronounce these two 
Slayer and Vampire, you are now legally married to each other. I am signing the paperwork, and now I'm walking to the county to no. turn it in. I think they're a handsome couple. <laughs> that is Arbel. Wow. See, a lot of podcasts wouldn't go there. A lot of podcasts wouldn't pursue the extent of that alternative universe to mm. see what would happen, but we did. Mm-hmm. My thought is that that marriage leads to doppelgangland. Yep. Leads to the doppel universe. In which... In ways. In ways. I or mean, maybe a convergence of dimension. Ooh. Because in that, yeah, it was like Angel was no longer Angel. He was post-vampire human Angel. Yeah, exactly. And took back his old identity yeah. in a future where everybody was gone. And I feel like we should have a show where um, Doppel... Gangland Giles is sliding in between all the Buffy universes. Well, he keeps just smashing the necklace and just being like, it has to be better. It's like the curse. This one's bad. This of... has to be better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us of our discussion of Something Blue from season four of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. And thank you, of course, so much for joining us for the official kickoff of the summer, summer of, of Riley. Riley. Again, I'm going to say it at least two more times in this closing. Hashtag Summer of Riley. Riley. Oh, I am so excited for us to contribute so much to the, the community of why do we feel such feelings about Riley? What a contentious character. Yeah. No, we didn't have this reaction to Faith. No. I feel like we don't even have this reaction to Kendra. You know, with these new characters that are thrown in. We... I think it's also he's so front and center. He is front and center. I mean, he he got the book drop. Yeah. He got the book drop. Mm-hmm. I don't know any other characters in Buffy that got a book drop. Yeah. What if in the Wishverse, Riley wasn't standing there, and then the books never hit him, and he never fell in love with Buffy? Whoa, and the books just fell. Yeah. Well, because she was dead, right? She didn't even go to college in the Wishverse. Right. <laughs> You're right. But at least there's still books. That's true. In the Wishverse. Mm-hmm. Even though I think the Master probably would have done something crazy after that. Huh? Well, who knows? Yeah. Where, if they would like to send you Summer of Riley factoids and opinions, where can they find you, Chris? Hey guys, how's it going? My name's Chris Bermonti. You can find me as a Montioc on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, or on the Twitch channel HyperRPG on Thursdays on The Gauntlet at 6.30pm and Fridays at 3pm on a show called HyperQuest. I play with musical improv group Robot Teammate on the Geek and Sundry Twitch stream, and we've got our first Hamilton's LA on Sunday, August 20th. Hope it's fun and that you're there. What about you, Omar? If you want to send me hashtag Summer Riley stuff, you can also find me on Twitter at Omar Najam. You can also find me over at the channel Two Broke Geeks on YouTube, where I am hosting Nerdy Worms for 2017. We are making movies multiple times a month. Super easy, super straightforward. If you have a camera, you can make a movie. If you have a pen and paper, you can make a movie. We are having a blast. It is so much fun, and people are making incredible personal films, and I'm so, so, so proud of it. Also, the show I worked on is on television, Parker Plays. Mm. My boss, when I was working on that show, was guess who? Holland Farkas. So if you want to support some uh, study buddies, check it out. It's on Disney XD on the weeknights. And, of course, if you have the app or access to the Internet, you can check out old episodes. And I'll post up some bits that I did for that are specifically Great. my jokes and I'm very proud of and I awesome. love. And the whole team was so fun to work with. And everyone involved was just magical. It's one of those magical, everyone was friendly and wonderful, and it was great to get notes because it made things funnier and better, and I was inspired and educated. So 
That was great. And if you want to send general hashtag Summer of Riley stuff, you can always send them to SSG Podcast on Twitter. Again, that's at SSG Podcast, as well as on Sunnydale Study Group's Facebook page, which is just Sunnydale Study Group, and on Instagram, Sunnydale Study Group. That's what we are on there. Guys, we'll be back next week down in Los Angeles to discuss the aftermath of what happened in last week's episode in Angel. And we are going to be chatting about the future of Cordelia as well as our own personal foresights and abilities that maybe we have. So please join us down in Los Angeles for that next week. Until then, guys, pack up your bags, pack up your books. We'll see you then. <laughs>